This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. And I'm Trader Nick. Welcome back to the Market Insights, Market Pulse podcast. And today we're joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst in London, Craig Earlham. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon, everyone. It's good to be back on the podcast myself, guys. Uh, thank you for putting up with my absence last week. And uh, jumping right back in this week, we have a really busy CPI and PPI Thursday and Friday, of course. Inflation numbers out of the United States. This is pretty much the headline for the week. It's been a pretty slow week so far. Uh, of course, not a ton of stuff out. Probably some of the more interesting stuff would be the Chinese inflation numbers. Craig, what's the, what's the latest out of China? So the headline inflation number, the CPI, fell negative last month. Now, that's something that we haven't seen in a very long time uh, since, well, we saw it briefly during the pandemic, but a long time prior to that, uh, we've seen much higher levels of inflation in China. It also runs very much in contrast with what we're seeing elsewhere. Everywhere else, we're seeing strong inflation, far too strong inflation, much higher interest rates as a result. But the difference with China is we're not seeing the strong demand growth in the aftermath of the zero COVID restrictions being dropped that we saw everywhere else. We're seeing some demand, uh, but it is primarily services and it's um, it's pretty subdued ultimately. So that means we've got large amounts of capacity, little demand, and therefore very low levels of inflation. Now, it's worth noting that deflation is not expected to continue. It's not expected to be norm. Uh, at, the, at the core level, I think we're still seeing some inflation. Um, so there is a big kind of energy and commodity component to the numbers actually falling negative. But it is a very strong reflection of weak demand ultimately within the country. And it runs consistent with the trade data we saw yesterday when we saw a sharp decline again in imports and exports. Exports, very much the narrative that we've had this year, weak global demand. Uh, but at the same time, the import number, again, signifies that we are seeing weak Chinese demand as well. The other thing we should note from this is that ordinarily, if you're seeing deflationary numbers in the country, you would expect to see some form of fiscal or monetary stimulus, especially from China, which uh, in recent downturns, we've seen very um, powerful uh, fiscal impulses and, uh, and monetary easing in order to try and um, restore growth and to try and ensure a powerful recovery. We're not expecting to see that this time. Maybe some tweaks, uh, some targeted stimulus measures, but they don't want to uh, see a soaring debt in order to try and ensure powerful growth. They want to see they're happy, it seems, with slow and steady growth. And maybe the lessons from the pandemic over the last few years and what we're seeing elsewhere is part of what's driving that. Do they want to put themselves in a similar position to the US and Europe right now where this strong uh, fiscal impulses that we saw and the strong consumer recovery that we saw led to high levels of inflation? Or would, would they rather see slow and steady growth for now um, uh, and manage it that way when they've already uh, undergone massive debt-driven growth over the course of the last 20 years, especially in the aftermath of the global financial crisis. Um, so I, I think we, we won't see deflation for too long. We will see low levels of inflation at some point. This is not a Japan-type scenario, for example. Um, but clearly, uh, we're not going to see massive stimulus either. Now, the question for many people is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I think there's two ways we can look at it. On the 
negative side, China's world's second largest economy and a strong economy is positive for the global economy. It creates demand where we're not currently seeing it. The other side to that is every other country or most other countries are dealing with an inflation problem. So weak Chinese demand isn't a bad thing. Uh, Chinese competition for all of these natural resources, if we were seeing a big infrastructure spend or if we were seeing a big, big property uh, spend or if we were seeing consumer activity on the back of uh, these kind of, like say, big fiscal impulses, then that would create stronger global demand and more inflation. Uh, it would kind of export inflation around the world. Instead, there's an argument that we could be seeing them effectively exporting disinflation around the world at a time when the world desperately needs uh, less inflationary pressures. So perhaps the, 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 the net effect of this could be more positive if we continue to see similar data. It's such a weird kind of thing to hear language when we when we talk China and you hear the words stimulus and disinflation and all these things when, you know, for the last year uh, and especially, you know, our episodes on the podcast, it's just been constant talk about, you know, hawkish Federal Reserve or hawkish central banks around the world. So very different to hear something out of that. Again, that that narrative out of China uh, kind of not fitting the the rest of the world and that really asks the question. You you mentioned that that concept of exporting disinflation. There there are fears now as we go into tomorrow's really key numbers out of the U.S. The CPI numbers, right? To follow China's inflation, is the U.S. inflation uh, our forecasts of a slight uptick year over year? Is that going to to actually be present? And uh, if not, if we continue to see sort of a lower levels of inflation, what does that do? Well. If we take a look at the dollar, I've got a, I've got a U.S. dollar chart pulled up, and you can take a look on the daily chart. You can see that price has been moving higher for the last few weeks, uh, despite uh, you know the Fed, uh, the, the the market kind of aboundly uh, they, they they kind of thought that from here there's no more rate hikes coming, and yet we see the dollar kind of rising into this this upcoming CPI number. It's really interesting because again, if this CPI number that is coming out tomorrow, if it comes out hotter than expected. Expected. That could hint at you know maybe the Fed really is pretty serious about you know each meeting being uh, potentially live, potentially seeing another rate hike. And uh, again, we we cross-examine that with China. It's it's two different kind of scenarios. But if we see, like you mentioned, some of that disinflation getting exported to other parts of the world, if we see some slowdown, you know th- there is that possibility that the Fed may not rate hike. However. One thing I think could be really interesting, Craig, and I want to, you know, get your thoughts on this too. You know, China inflation numbers coming out, you know, showing some some slowdown, some some lack of demand, some slow rebound in the economy. Well, let's say that tomorrow's number, we get kind of a hot CPI year over year, and the Fed takes that as a signal to go ahead and rate hike just one more time. The last time we talked about this topic, you made the point that that possibly could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. So you mix the two things here and it makes for a really interesting conversation. It's like, okay, well, what if we see rate hikes happen again? We go another 25 basis points and that causes the dollar to get real strong, but perhaps it even uh, pushes a a new narrative of, of rising possibilities of recession. And then you combine that with possibly, you know, China, like you said, exporting disinflation. If that kind of hits the global uh, at the same time, it opens up like a whole nother, you know, scenario that maybe in three months we're talking about on the podcast then, you know, that the fear of global recession could become more real. So I wonder if tomorrow's CPI number, if, if the Fed is looking at China's numbers, if, it, if it's going to take even a hotter CPI with, uh, you know, a grain of salt, even so, 
factoring in that there's that possibility of I don't know what what do you think it's a it's kind of an abstract you know kind of pulling everything together but we do often talk about on the podcast just the importance of you know the Chinese economy the US economy and how sometimes you know on, on these western podcasts we neglect a little bit of of how just how important the Chinese economy really is what do you think about that scenario i guess yeah, I think it's a really interesting one. I mean, on the US inflation data tomorrow, I think there's two things we have to consider. One is how markets are positioned versus expectations. Uh, so at this point in time, markets perceive there to be a less than 40% chance that we're going to see any more rate hikes at any point from the US. So clearly, there's a strong belief that the rate tightening cycle is done. And at the next meeting in September, that's actually 86% chance of no move. Uh, so clearly very convinced that the Fed's not going to raise rates again in September. So that begs a question to the second point, uh, what would need to happen tomorrow to drastically change that? Now, as you say, the headline number is expected to tick higher. We've seen a series of of lower headline inflation numbers, but that was only going to last so long. The base effects were only going to be favourable for so long. We were going to see um, some movements in other directions at some point, and that's expected to come tomorrow. But that's jumping from 3 to 3.3%. If that goes a little higher again, are people going to panic? No, I don't think so. But that ultimately may depend on the core inflation number because that's where the sticky inflation is. That's where the services component is. That's what is its uh, core uh, the core CPI X rent, uh, I think, is the one that the Fed is most concerned with. So we'll see where what the inflation is looking like from that side. It's currently at 4.8%, the core uh, CPI number. If that ticks higher to 5.1 or more, is that the point where traders start to price in another rate hike in September or at least October, uh, November much more heavily, perhaps? Um, but I think they would take 4.9 even 5% maybe on the chin because of the progress that we've seen over the last few reports so i think that would be um uh, a key factor in the kind of response to that as well i think from market's perspective would they see the china inflation data today and effectively allow for some breathing room for the cpi data tomorrow I don't think I don't think traders are that rational. Uh, I do think that what we tend to see is that uh, traders will be much more reactionary uh, to the data, especially in the immediate uh, in the immediate outcome of it. Um, but I think the Fed may be a bit more rational about it, and I think it would take something much more than five point one percent, for example, on the core level, for the Fed to reasonably consider uh, raising rates again in September. I think the falling into the mould of pause, maybe hike, pause, maybe hike, slowly phasing it out. And I think it would take something quite substantial uh, to convince them otherwise, regardless of what some of the Fed speak will potentially say in the interim. But again, that's just my personal thoughts. And I'm sure we've got a lot more data to come between now and the next meeting. And I'm sure... It's not all going to go our way. If the lessons of the last two years has taught us anything is that we should always be prepared to be disappointed and maybe tomorrow is going to be that day. For sure. And I think it's it's just a, it's a week full of inflationary data. Of course, we have on Friday PPI numbers, which we'll cover more uh, on tomorrow's podcast. We'll be talking uh, kind of in uh, in hindsight about what we actually get out of the CPI numbers, uh, as well as looking ahead to PPI numbers on Friday, which are also pretty meaningful. So I would encourage everybody who's listening to the podcast, make sure you've got it added to your favorites, leave a review, that sort of good stuff. And make sure to tune in for tomorrow's episode where we'll be covering uh, everything that went down with CPI as well as PPI ahead. 
One other story I wanted to draw your attention to, uh, guys, probably more Craig, actually, because it looks like European gas prices are really spiking today, up as much as 35%. They're currently just below 30%. I've looked around because I couldn't really work out why this was the case. Apparently, it may be because of supply interruptions due to strike action in Australia. Craig, any further ideas on this? Well, I think I think your response probably tells us everything we need to know, right? I mean, when you're having to search around that hard for to explain such a massive surge, then perhaps there isn't an obvious reason for it. Uh, we always want to search for an explanation. We want these things to make sense, and perhaps something will come out of the woodwork that does make sense. For me, the Australian reports don't really cut it. Um, there's also been all the talk of maybe lower supp- uh, supplies of LNG to the UK may be potentially responsible. It kind of reminds me of a few months ago. We saw a similar spike, if I remember rightly, in gas prices. And it was on the back of reports of, uh, I think it was Norwegian outages because of action. But that action had been announced like three months before. Um, and then these reports came out on the day and the, well, as the prices spiked. And sometimes we're just caught desperately seeking explanation where there isn't necessarily some. What it tells me is that these prices are still highly sensitive and uh, maybe it is just one of those kind of self-fulfilling things where the price spikes. People try to explain more why the price spikes a little bit more. They stay higher for a while and then they effectively, the dust settles, they calm down and people realise that there wasn't really much of a reason for it. Or maybe something will come out in the next couple of days that will explain it more so than the Australia story or the UK LNG story because they just don't personally seem to cause it for me but at a time when we're talking about the situation the situation with gas being much better it this does just remind us that the the situation is still pretty tense that the market is still quite tight and that it wouldn't take anything overly substantial uh, to cause prices to, uh, and, uh, and significant in terms of in nature as well for prices to spike once more Okay, Craig, thank you for that. We will, of course, as Nick says, have another podcast tomorrow. We'll be joined by Awanda Senior Market Analyst Ed Moyer from New York with me and uh, Nick. But until then, thanks, guys, for joining us today, and we'll speak to everyone tomorrow. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Awanda.